Don't view Christ by Christian's behavior, but rather view Christians by the Christ you see in them. This means you've got to have a relationship with Christ yourself. Let's talk about it. In today's cruel culture and wounded world, you deserve some good news. Jesus has taken the punishment for every single person that's in this room. He put the curse in reverse. And just like Adam turned a garden into a grave, Jesus turned a grave so into a garden. So now it's just grace upon grace upon grace and favor upon favor upon favor. But we're still here. And we're still standing. And we got Jesus, so we've got the victory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Preacher Think, where I take thoughts downloaded from God and His Word and upload them to you through the lens of grace and kingdom. I'm your host, Chad Joyner, and I'm excited to get into what we're going to talk about today again. Don't view Christ by Christian's behavior, but rather view Christians by the Christ that you see in them. And of course, this would mean that you would have to have yourself a relationship with Christ so that you can know what it looks like to see someone operating within the context of having a relationship with Christ Jesus. So you would know what Christian behavior actually looks like and not what it's really perceived to be by the world. I mean, because first of all, we got to understand something when it comes to Christian behavior. Behavior flows from identity and what you identify as heavily dictates your actions. If you identify as a sinner, then your actions are going to be sinful because whatever you identify as, however you think, the, the, those thoughts produce actions. And so however you identify and whatever you think, again, if you identify as a sinner, then you're going to think and you're going to act as a sinful individual. But if you identify as a saint, then your actions are going to be righteous. And here's the thing. We, we wonder why when we present Jesus to people, why they don't want the Jesus that we present to them, because we declare with one breath that we that, that we operate in and we act like, you know, he saved us and he's a good God. That's exactly what we do in one breath. But then in another breath and through other actions, we declare and we operate like and we act fearfully like he's mad at us and we operate and sound like you know, he doesn't want us to, to, to be on the same team as him. And, and, and we act like we're still sinners. And what ends up happening is, is essentially the people that we're trying to present Jesus to, we end up looking like we're schizophrenic. We end up looking like we're, you know, talking out of both sides of our mouth. And we both know, we all know that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So we need to have singleness of mind and singleness of heart and not look schizophrenic because I wouldn't want a Jesus that was like that either. Do good, get good. Do bad, get beat. That's an old covenant law-based performance mindset type of a God. But we live on this side of the cross. We live under the new covenant. We're no longer under law. We are under grace. He's not mad at us. He is mad about us. He saved us. He is good. And we are on the same team as Jesus. And one thing we've got to recognize is, is 
Saint and sinner, those are nature names. Those are those are things that pertain to the to the nature of a person. And you can't be a saint and a sinner at the same time. But again, those are nature names. You're either one or the other. It's black or it's white. You're either a saint in Christ Jesus or you're a sinner not in Christ Jesus or outside of Christ Jesus or unregenerate or not saved. But see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's the dirty worm theology is what it is, y'all. It sounds humble for us to say, oh, I'm just a dirty worm. Oh, woe is me. And here, here's my favorite. We've all heard this one in church culture. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. When the truth is, is that none of those, none of those descriptions of a person who is a believer of Christ Jesus None of those descriptions of people who are followers of Christ Jesus, none of those are true. We, the truth is that we are not dirty and distant. We are completely clean and completely close to Christ Jesus. But anytime in church culture, as we've seen it, that a Christian doesn't fit into that box, into that woe is me or I'm just a sinner saved by grace box, Anytime someone doesn't fit into that type of a theology, instead of making righteous judgments pertaining to what we believe, we begin trying to make final judgments as if we are God. But listen to me. I'll tell you this about myself, and I'll tell you this about any Christian out there. None of us, we don't have a heaven to put you into or a hell to take you out of. So no Christian can pass any type of final judgment on you. Now, we can make righteous judgments pertaining to what we believe in our own, uh, uh, what I like to call our own personal convincings, but we don't get to make any final judgments in regards to how somebody is acting. So I don't, again, I don't have a heaven to put you into. I don't have a hell to take you out of, but here's the deal. Well, all I get to do is I simply present what I have been convinced of in studying the gospels and studying gospel itself, studying grace, studying faith, studying kingdom. I simply present Jesus through that lens and what I've been convinced of as spiritual truth to you, which allows God to do his work in you. All I do is present Jesus, and that will begin to prompt some questions that you can ask the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God leads us into all truth. So whatever it is that I present to you or any Christian presents to you for that matter, you can take that information, study it yourself, see if it's truth, talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him to lead you into all truth, and then allow God to do his work in you and on you and through you you. But here's the thing. We think, this is what we think a lot of times in church culture and as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, period. We think that it's it sounds arrogant for us to call ourselves perfect, or it sounds arrogant for us to call ourselves saints. But that's exactly what God says about us. We're not perfectly behaved, but we are perfectly saved and we have been made one spirit with the Lord. That's what 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says. And we have been made, past tense, we have been made perfect in spirit. So we got to remember, given the fact that we've been made perfect in spirit, we've got to remember how we are constructed and how we're set up. We are a spirit. 
We have a soul. It's inside of our body, which touches an imperfect and a fallen world. But at the core of our being is the one spirit that we've been made with Christ Jesus. And we are perfect in spirit. But now our soul is not perfect. Our soul, we're learning and growing in our soul. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Uh, a simpler way to think about it is, is our soul is made up of our thinker, our chooser, and our feeler. So every single day, the Romans 12, 2 tells me to have, not to be conformed to this world, but to be ye transformed by the renewing of my mind. Well, what is it that I need to renew my mind to? I get to renew my mind to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of grace, to the truth that Jesus loved me and died for me, to the truth that he died as me, to the truth that he took the old me away and the truth that I have been born anew, that I've got new resurrection life. So I, my mind, those are the things that I wrap my thoughts around every single day. And then I also am learning and growing in my will, in my choosing. I get to make decisions in Christ Jesus every day. I get to participate with Christ and I get to make decisions as things are presented to me in my life. I get to make choices and those choices are going to go one way or the other. I'm either going to make a choice walking by the flesh or I'm going to make a choice walking by the spirit. If I pull out into the highway and somebody pulls out in front of me and I say something that I shouldn't say, uh, uh, what we deem by our vernacular, uh, a cuss word, then at that moment, I am choosing to walk by the flesh. Or if I pull out in, in traffic and that person does the same thing and, and I decide within me, I am not going to say a cuss word. I'm going to say, you know what, Lord, God bless them. They must just need to get somewhere a whole lot quicker than I do. At that point, I'm choosing not to walk by the flesh and in the anger that welled up in me, but I'm choosing to walk by the spirit. So that's what I, that's, that's my thinking. That's my choosing. But what about my feelings? What about my emotions? Here's the thing about emotions. God blessed us with emotions. Emotions aren't a bad thing. But emotions are simply definers. They are not identifiers. Emotions are indicators, but they don't tell me who I am. Something can happen to me in a moment and I can get mad. And that emotion of being mad is just something that indicates to me in a moment that something has come at me that uh, maybe offends me or I, it hurts me. So I may be angry in a moment as an indicator, but I can make a choice now backing up to my will. I can make a choice not to stay in that place. So even though I have these emotions and we ride the roller coaster of emotions sometimes, sometimes we're happy and then we're sad and then we're angry and we're frustrated and sometimes we're joyful. Emotions are up, down, all around, and all over the place. They're great definers and indicators of where we may be at in a moment. But the beautiful thing about grace is, is grace will meet you right where you are, but it will not leave you there. Grace always takes you back to your identity of who you really are. So even though an emotion may define where I am in a moment, it doesn't identify who I am in Christ Jesus. Always remember this. And as it pertains to humility, coming back around to why we think it's arrogant at times for us to call ourselves perfect or saint, even though that's exactly who God says we are. The true definition of humility is agreeing with God about who he says we are. So remember this, 
Always remember the most humble thing that we can do is agree with God about who he says we are, not buck against him. He says that we're holy. He says that we're righteous. He says that we've been glorified. We've been sanctified. We've been made new. And he calls us saints. Even though our behavior may not always reflect our saintly attitudes and our saintly identification in Christ, that does not nullify that we are who he says we are. Now, before we were saints, we were, listen to me here, we were past tense. We were sinners. We were not just unforgiving people in need of forgiveness. We were spiritually dead people in need of resurrection life. But now, on this side of the cross, since we responded to Jesus, since we responded to his invitation, since we said, yes, Romans 8, 11 says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and raised us from spiritual death. Now, here's an example of that. If you were to get pulled over by a state trooper on the highway and the shock and the awe of everything just overwhelmed you to the point of death. When he walks up to your car and looks into your window, he is no longer going to be concerned about giving you a ticket for speeding. Once he recognizes that you're not breathing and the shock and awe of getting pulled over, has you've actually sat in your seat and died, he ain't worried about giving you a ticket anymore. He's going to be thinking about or concerned about calling the EMS because no longer do you need a ticket to give you a warning to slow down from speeding. You need resuscitation so that you can be brought back to life. So when we were spiritually dead people, we didn't just need forgiveness because if we would have just gotten forgiveness, we still would have just been forgiven dead people. We needed resurrection life. We needed resuscitation from Jesus Christ himself. Forgiveness is only a part of the gospel, y'all. Here's how it's broken down. The death of Jesus and the old us, us with him on the cross, that brought us forgiveness. The burial of Jesus and the burial of the old us brought the takeaway of the old us. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. But listen, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of us is what brought new resurrection life to us. So we've not just been, we've not just been crucified with Christ, which brings forgiveness, but we've also been resurrected to newness of life, which is what we needed. So we've been made completely new. Galatians 2.20 again says, it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. I no longer live. The life that I now live is Christ's life, and I live that life by faith in the Son of God who loved me and still loves me and who died for me. And not only did he die for me, but he also died as me so that I could live as him. And now, again, on this side of the cross, under the new covenant, no longer under law, but under grace, we've got new spiritual geography, meaning we have been taken out of the old man. We've been taken out of the old sinner. We've been taken out of the old Adam under that tyranny system of law and sin and a bad conscience. And we've been transferred into the new man. We've been transferred into being the saint because now we are in Christ 
under grace, made holiness, made holy rather, and we have his righteousness and we have what's called a good conscience. Now remember, all around us, because people are watching us as, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, they are watching what we do. They're watching what we say. And, and, and they're watching those things because, and I, and I know I, I, I say these things often about why language matters, why verbiage matters. All of those things matter because people are listening to see if you're going to do what you say you're going to do. People are looking to see are you really who you say you are? And when our actions contradict who we say we are, that throws up a red flag to people and the world will begin defining us by what they see, not just by what we say. And I've heard this said here in recent conversation that the older generation had a great way of declaring the gospel or expressing it but their exhibition of it wasn't so good, meaning they did a great job of talking about Jesus, but walking out Jesus, they didn't do such a good job of it. And then I've also heard it said of today's younger generation, they've got an amazing way of exhibiting Christ, but they don't have the expression or the language to go with it. So what we're trying to do here is begin to marry not just exhibition and expression, but also we're trying to put the two together in, in, a, in a beautiful union so that we begin to understand the two are not diametrically opposed to one another. We should be exhibiting and expressing Christ in such a way that when people hear us say what we say and watch us do what we do, all that's happening matches what we say we are, we are, and we're doing who we say we are. So remember, the world will try to define us, but Christians, or Christ rather, identifies us. Identity is greater than definition. The world tries to define us, but Christ identifies us. And we get our identity by birth, not by behavior. We get our identity by birth, which is why when we get saved, it refers to us being born again. We are human beings. We are not human doings. We are individuals who are just, all we have to do is be who Christ says we are, and we get to participate in the life that he is within us. But so many times we get hung up into performance where we think it's all about what we do, what we do, what we do. But he's like, no, it's all about who you are, who you are, who you are who you've been made. We're human beings, not human doings. We are not what we do. We are who we be. We be new creations in Christ. We be holy. We be righteous. And I know that ain't good vernacular. I know it ain't good language, but my goodness is good preaching. All we have to do is be who we've been called to be. It's not about what you do. It's about who you have been created in Christ Jesus. We're not just sinners saved by grace, y'all. We are saints that sometimes, we, we were sinners, but then we were saved by grace, and now we are saints that sometimes sins, but, I, but our behavior does not define who we are. If you read 1 Corinthians 1, Verse number two, it tells us that we have been called by God to be saints. And understanding that we are saints helps our soul grow. It helps us with our thinker. 
It helps us with our chooser. It helps us with our feeler. And as our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our thinker, our chooser, and our feeler begins to change, it'll change because it's beginning to identify with the new and holy and righteous heart and spirit in which we've been given and have been made into. So understanding where saints helps our soul grow. Again, that's our mind, our will, and our emotions, which makes up our soul. And over time, it resembles our perfect spirit more and more. Christ operates in and through our personality by his nature and his character, which is love. Love is just not a characteristic of God. The Bible says that God is love. It is his nature to be who he is. Being in relationship with him is not about following a bunch of rules. It's about allowing Christ to rule in you and through you with favor and with truth. And as we participate with him, we get to do that by ruling and reigning in life. So again, please, please don't view Christians or don't view Christ rather by what we consider or what the world says is Christian behavior, but rather view Christians by the Christ you see in them. That means you've got to have a relationship with Christ. And I love when people come to me and they say, well, you know, you don't look like a preacher. And I always turn around and ask them, well, what exactly does a preacher look like? And I've, I've also been asked this when they've seen certain actions out of me. They say, well, you don't act like a Christian. And I say, well, that's good because God's not looking for actors. Now, as I've opened up my Bible, and hopefully you will just as well, you begin to recognize what the actions of a Christian should look like. Now, our actions, again, they don't always match up to who we've been made in Christ Jesus. We are a perfect spirit, one with Christ. Believers are, followers are. We are perfectly saved, but we're not perfectly behaved. But again, we are not identified by our behavior, we are identified by our birth, and believers have been born again in Christ Jesus. But if there's somebody that's out there today and you're watching this and you have not been born again, if there's somebody out there today and you have not believed in Christ Jesus, it the gospel really is as good as 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 advertised. As the Bible says, it truly says to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ confess him in your heart and you shall be saved. It's not about jumping through hoops. It's not about following a bunch of rules and laws and commands. It's about simply believing in Christ Jesus. And when he comes into your life, when you receive the life of Christ, it's not about you giving your life to him. It's about you receiving the life of Christ Jesus. And then the pressure is off of you. No more pressure on your head. No more pressure on your shoulders. No more pressure to perform. It's you and Christ in a beautiful union together. And you're getting to participate with him and what he is doing in the earth. And if there's anybody out there today who's watching this and you don't know Christ Jesus, I implore you. Just simply say yes to Jesus. Simply believe in Jesus and say, yes, I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you hung on a cross and you bled for me and you died for me 
and you not only bled and died for me, you, you died as me, you took the old me away, I am the new creation in Christ Jesus, you have given me new resurrection life, I've come to that recollection and I receive you Jesus, I receive your life that it may be lived in and through me on the earth. Well, guys, we're about out of time. We're about to run out of time for this episode, but we hope that you have enjoyed the show today and we hope that you will connect with us via social media and the email provided. And we hope that you continue to live out your life at the pace of grace. God bless. Want to share the good news? You can support Preacher Thing by sharing it with everyone using the share button. You can stay connected to Preacher Thing via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and various podcast streaming platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what the gospel has done for you, message us or leave them in the comment section. You can also email us at PreacherThink at gmo.com. Thanks for tuning in.